Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. So Brett, we've got all kinds of goodies in store today. Let's hear it. Well, yeah, I, we absolutely. One of my topics that I think our, our listeners really ask a lot of questions about. So we're going to be talking about social security today and, and how to get it. And, um, you know, something just happened to me yesterday. And I think that it's really relevant. And I think it's happened to a lot of people. And I think it really helps people understand this discussion around social security. So yesterday I had a meeting out of town. And so Went to that meeting. And after that meeting, I had an opportunity to go meet my daughter. I was supposed to pick her and her friends up for dinner and then take them to a basketball game. I was very excited. My team is University of Arkansas. I was born in the great state of Arkansas. There's only like two of us that can say that. Um, it's a small state, but we were playing in University of Kentucky in Lexington. That's about three and a half hours away from where I'm sitting today. So I had a meeting in Louisville. And then after that meeting, I'm, I'm driving and, and I put my GPS on, right? So that I could tell my daughter what time I would be there to pick her up. I mean, I knew where I was going. I've been there many times before, but I had the GPS on and wasn't really paying attention. I'm driving along on the highway and the GPS is talking to me and it's like telling me, hey, turn here, do that. Great, knew everything. Then I got a phone call that came in. And so I turned off the GPS volume. I just had it up on the screen. So I was kind of watching it, driving, not really watching it, but it wasn't giving me the directions anymore out loud. And then I noticed like not at what the normal exit is. I drove right by where it was telling me to get off the highway. I was like, well, that's unusual. Why was it telling me to get off the highway there? That's not where you get off the highway to go to my daughter's. And I was just like, oh, well, no big deal. It says it's only adding a couple minutes. So I won't turn around. I'll just keep going. And then I got to the normal exit of where I get off to visit my, my daughter and the road is completely blocked off. There are cops everywhere. It's a large cloverleaf, big, huge exit off the highway off of, and you can't get off there. You can't get on there. It's completely locked down and traffic grinds to a halt and it adds like 15 minutes to my trip. And I was already running late. So I'm stressed and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be late. And you know, that's very frustrating because if I had just listened to the expert, I call it the little lady in the phone that talks <laughs> to me when I drive, I would have been on time because it would have gotten me off at the right exit and gotten me there. No stress, been where I needed to be on time. Great. Take my daughter and her friends out before the basketball game. Now, the good news is this story ends happily because my team won, her team lost. I was sitting in the student section wearing my little Arkansas Razorback shirt, humbly <laughs> underneath my University of Kentucky pullover. But my point to that is that so many times, how have we not listened to what I call the expert? And in this case is the little Google lady, right? She knows more than I know because she knows what's going on. And I think that's what happens so often to people when they're dealing with this particular topic. 
they're not getting their information from the expert. They're not getting their information timely. What they're doing is using old information under old rules that somebody they knew at the water cooler or somebody down the street used. And, or this is what my parents did when they did that. And they're just not up to date on the rules of social security and how to select it correctly for them on their trip. Remember, this is handcrafting your retirement. It's not handcrafting your neighbor's retirement. It's not handcrafting your parents' retirement. It's handcrafting your retirement for a, what, confident retirement. And what we know is that social security, regardless of your income, regardless of your station in life, is typically as much as a third to a half, and in some cases, even more than that, of someone's retirement income. And so they can't afford to screw this decision up. They got to get it right, but they're not using the right guidance. They're not getting information that's timely, that's personal, that's theirs. So today on this topic, we're not going to try to sit here and give you all the answers of the perfect social security strategy that works for everybody. Cause I'm going to tell you right now that doesn't exist. There's things that you've got to know about yourself before you can pick it. Now, some of them we've already talked about in our podcast series. One of the ones over the last couple of episodes, you've been hearing me talk about a lot, which is health. And we talked and we had an expert on, and we talked about health and longevity. And um, I'm going to tell people right now is if you don't do that work, if you don't have a life expectancy, if you do not know what's going to happen to you as you age, I have no way how to answer this question of when you select your social security, right? Because it's all based on quite frankly, how long do you think you're going to live? Right. Right. And it's such an uncomfortable topic to talk about when someone's thinking about retiring and there's all these things floating around in their head with these magic ages that may or may not be right for them. And they're, they're coming in. Oh, I need to get it at 62. Oh, I need to get it at 65. Oh, I need to draw it at 67. Oh, I should wait till I'm 70. And the answer is yes, 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 yes. And also no, 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 no. Right. And that's, what's so hard about this because I kind of know where you're going, but I really don't know where you're going yet. And so I can't give you good guidance. I can't give you that GPS until I know what, where you're going, what road you're on right now. Then I can start helping you make the right turns, determine, determine, are we turning off early? Are we going to turn off late, you know, and, and dial it in for you. So hopefully as we go through this, we're going to start talking about what are the big questions that you got to really kind of get your hands around in order to figure out social security for yourself. So that's what this episode is going to be all about. It's not going to be some magic. Here's the mathematical formula of how to get the optimal most money out of social security, but it is going to be like, these are the key things that you got to think about in order to make this decision. Right. So, so social security really is something that we all kind of, you know, still need to lean on regardless of what other factors we have in the mix. Oh, absolutely. Because it just gives you that solid, steady check every month. Right. And I mean, you can't beat that deal. Right. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this is what we've been working for. This is why we did it. Right. That's why they were taking those taxes out of our paycheck for all those years. Right. FICA. Now, if I I don't even know who this FICA is, but FICA is getting rich and I'm getting poor. Right. Making all so, my money. Darn FICA person. And so we've got that and we've got all these payroll taxes and all these misconceptions. And this is, I think, sometimes a very emotionally charged topic for people. Right. Because we just talked about it, it brings into the reality is you have to think about your mortality. You have to think about how long you're going to live and what's going on with your health. You just have to, there's no other way around it. You also have to start thinking about your spouse if you're married and their situation. And in some cases I have to think about what happens and I'll, I'll tell a story um, 
about what happens if my spouse passed away. Right. And so widows and widowers, there's just a whole component to that, that we have to think about, which is uncomfortable. Another ugly, messy part of this is what if I'm divorced, right? And some married, remarried gets more complicated. And we're going to talk about those things just a little bit, right? Because once again, you got to figure that out because it changes your outcome. And then the other thing that you just got to think about is how much money am I actually going to get from this thing, right? Because if I'm not taking the money from social security, where's it coming from? And that leads into this whole, what I call sometimes people just want to get all political about this topic, right? They want to argue about who's right and who's wrong. And is the system going to be there for me and all these kind of stuff that they can't possibly control. They can vote how they want to vote, but they can't control the formula and they can't control if it's going to be there personally, right? That's out of their control. So there's this, these emotional things about it that are personal. There's also these kind of like political things that I really can't deal with, but it kind of makes me angry. And some people are like, oh, I don't want to, ah, you know, my social security is going to get taken from me. And I've been paying into the system for 50 years. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, we can get angry about it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, but what's that going to do? Is it going to change your check? And the answer is most of these things are no, how I feel about it isn't going to change my check. So I got to get really practical about what's my check going to be. How do I get the best check? And I'm not going to say the biggest check, but I'm going to say, how do I get the best check for me and my family and my situation and focus on those things, right? And um, turn all the other noise off because that's what it is. It's noise and it prevents you from making a good decision for yourself. So what's the number one thing to keep in mind then uh, when we're starting to get toward these type of decisions? Well, Wendy, I think the first thing we've got to figure out, and I've been working on this really hard, is I get asked typically two questions almost all the time that trigger the social security question. And the first question is, Brett, when can I retire? And it's kind of a weird question if you think about it. Is how does I or me or my firm as a financial planning firm actually determine when you can retire? We don't do that, right? We don't determine it. So what we've been working on with a lot of our clients is helping them understand, right? So you work, how many, how many hours a week roughly do you work, Wendy? Me? Yeah. That I get paid for? Sure. How much do you work? Let's say 30 hours. 30 hours. Okay. And so the average in the United States, 30 to 45, maybe some people are working 50. So I ask a question all the time is if you weren't doing this in your case for your 30 hours a week, what would you be doing? And then the next question I ask is, would you be getting paid for it? Playing pickleball. So no, no. All right. And that's awesome. <laughs> no, but like, I'm excited about the pickleball answer. You know that. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is because, um, sometimes our transition from full-time work or the job that I've had for a long time is just that it's a transition and not everybody's transition is the same, right? So my answers to these questions of when should I take my social security or when should I start thinking about it really hinge on what are you going to do with your time as your work situation changes? So let's go with what I'll call the traditional view is I stop work today and I'm retired. Okay. That's actually not that many people anymore, right? Most people aren't just like stopping work. They're transitioning. So for example, I have a client right now is that 
she is of social security eligibility. She could draw it. She likes her work, but it's very physically demanding. So she doesn't want to work as many days per week as she did before. So she's working fewer days. She's trying to get down to three days a week, but that three days a week income is still large enough that it would impact her social security. So she's 65. She could draw social security, but she's not going to yet because even though she's, I'm going to use the word semi-retired, she's reducing her hours. The thing she's doing with her time, or at least part of her time is still paying her enough that it doesn't make sense for her to draw social security yet because of the rules of the calculation. So that's what I mean. This is a complicated conversation, right? And so typically when we start to be, and I'm going to use the word 60 ish. Okay. We need to start understanding our numbers. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to have everybody do today is go to SSA.gov. What social security administration.gov. Why you have to establish your account online. You have to know what your numbers are and they're going to send you something. You can't just do it willy nilly. And there's like a two factor authentication thing that takes a little bit and you need to actually log in and get your record. So you can know what your social security record says about you. Why do I say that this is important? Well, because that may not be perfectly right. So sometimes some information, especially if you, depending on how you worked, if you had multiple employers, you may have had information that got in correctly. And sometimes it didn't, you need to verify that because whatever social security administration has on file is what they're going to use. And if it needs to get fixed because something's wrong, you need to fix it. Right. And so that's the first thing. So when we're in, let's say roughly a three to five year window before when we think we're going to retire, we need to start getting our numbers understood, right? So that's kind of the first thing that we've got to do. And we do that online with the social security administration. Now, what they're going to talk about is they're going to talk about, this is their language, not mine. And that's why we have to start to learn how to speak social security, right? And so they use this phraseology and it stands, it's called a full retirement age, F-R-A. And based on your birthday, right? That's the only deciding factor right. that determines your FRA. And based on your work history, you're going to have what's called your PIA or primary insurance amount. Okay. And everything is based on those two numbers. So back to, you got to find out what they are for you. And if you're married or divorced or widowed, you need to know what those numbers were for your spouse or are for your spouse, because that is very important. So that'll get us grounded in understanding what our circumstances are relative to social security. And now we can start to figure out and answer all the other what if questions. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so often people are trying to guess at something and they just simply don't know the math of it. Right. And so that's like me trying to get to my daughter's, uh, um, you know, house yesterday and not knowing the address right? How am I going to find it? Well, I don't exactly. know. You know, you're just going to kind of be hunting around in the dark. So let's get the real numbers down on the page. And now we can start to figure out how those numbers factor into all of the other numbers that we have. And this is where I try to tell people is that I can ask experts, people that write books, professors on this topic. And this is where we're all going to have a bit of an opinion. 
and why it's so important to build this plan based on your circumstances and make a decision that you're comfortable with based on you. Because if I ask hundred people, should I take it at 65? Should I take it at 67? Should I wait to 70? I truly can get maybe not a hundred different answers, but I can get a whole bunch of different answers. And it's hard for people to understand that all of those answers could be right. Well, the longer you wait, the more that you receive, I assume, right? Well, that's correct. And so if all we're looking at is social security in and of itself, right? My value of how much will be paid per month grows until age 70. It can actually grow a little bit past that for two factors. One of which is if I continue to work and two is inflation, right? So there's not really like a time quote unquote, where the number stops getting recalculated, but kind of age 70. Mm. And so everybody goes, Oh, well, I should defer until age 70. I go, uh, are you going to die at 76? But we don't know the answer to that, Brett. We don't. And that's why everybody's like, Oh, I, well, I don't know. Okay. That's back to my thing. I said earlier, that's why we all need to start where is once we know our numbers, then the next thing we need to do is we need to take our health and, uh, health and longevity optimizer, right? We need to have a good handle on what are the probabilities of our life expectancy because the break-even analysis, all the different things that people do when they post this out on the world and wide web and tell everybody on the interweb, all the smart stuff that they need to do, they're guessing about your longevity. And then the only thing most of them ever quote unquote optimize about your social security is that if you're going to live a long time, you should wait to take it because then you get paid more. Okay. <laughs> Great. <don't> like that. <laughs> well, all right. Hang up the phone, you know, or whatever we're done. You know, I'm, I'm good. I got it. Right. And so that's when I tell people, I start laughing and I'm like, and they're like, well, should I do that? I'm like, I don't know. What are you going to do with your time? Are you making any money at it? If you're not, then great. Then, okay. Where's the money you're living on coming from? Whoa, stop the presses. What do you mean? There's more than one place that I could get retirement income from? Oh yeah, there's a ton, right? Uh, Do you still have a pension from your employer? Does that pension have a bridge? Some of these places to get you out early offer you a bridge where they pay you extra money until your social security eligible to retire early. All kinds of factors like that start to factor into this discussion. But that doesn't mean I should or shouldn't take my social security yet. But there are other things I got to guess about. So once I kind of know how long I'm going to live, I know this is going to sound weird, Wendy, but I got to kind of assume uh, inflation adjustments for social security. How much is it going to go up over time? And what is my alternative for income? And how much does that cost me? And this is where it gets really muddy for people and why I tell them what you need to do is you need to sit down and we need to do a complete financial plan, not just a social security optimization. If all I try to do is optimize social security, like I told you, eh, wait till 70, you'll get paid more if you live to average life expectancy. The break-even analysis is somewhere between 12 and 14 years. It doesn't take a lot to figure that out, but it takes a ton to figure this next part out because I got to know what are your other sources of income and what are the potential, and this is where it gets really fuzzy for people, what are the rates of return of those things? Right. And so if I'm earning a good amount of money on the money that I'm pulling out to live on, 
instead of taking social security because I'm deferring it so I can get more from the man, more from the system. Is that really in my best interest? And I'm telling you right now, I've done these calculations hundreds of times, and there is not a set pad answer to this because I need to know roughly what your life expectancy is. What's the age gap between you and your spouse? What was the income gap between the two of you? And then I need to know where the other money's coming from. Is it in IRA accounts? Is it not in IRA accounts? Is it rental properties? There's all kinds of answers to this thing, silly question that really aren't silly. That are the things that we got to know so that we can do what? Get the right social security selection for you and your family. Because it does matter. And here's why. So um, under rules that have changed, right? It used to be that you could do this thing called file and suspend. And it was a big deal, especially for high wage earners. And so back to, if I'm using knowledge that's outdated, that's a bad map, I could be thinking I could still do that. And so high income people used to do that. They would turn on their social security and then turn it back off and wait, but then their spouse might start taking their social security. So I had a client that was trying to do something like this and they said, Oh, well, my spouse, they didn't make as much money as I did. So as soon as they're eligible, I'm going to have them start taking their social security. And then when they get older, they'll switch over and they'll start drawing off of my record because you used to be able to do stuff like that before the rules changed. And I said, Oh, that's fascinating. I said, how's that going? Oh, that's great. And so, and I said, well, you do know that now that the reduction in their payout is permanent. So if they started taking the payout at 62, that reduction from their full retirement age is a permanent reduction in the payout. And they go, what are you talking about? And so I ran the numbers for them and they were both healthy and they both have life expectancies into their mid eighties. And that decision to draw the social security early on the spouse, but delay on the higher wage earning spouse cost over $350,000 over the course of their lifetime and lower social security payments that will never be recouped, right? Which is money they're just not getting. Wow. And all because of one little decision, because they didn't do what? They didn't get current advice. They were getting outdated advice. And this is what I see all the time, Wendy, is that people just come in with these predispositions because they're still getting, we just had a survey done by AARP. Once again, not done by Brett Ramsey Incorporated or somebody, but the, what I call the people that care the most about old folks. And, uh, at least that's what they claim every time they mail me something. <laughs> um, and they said that still today, the number one source of in information about social security is their friends and family. Mm. And I, I'm sorry, but I haven't met too many friends and family that actually know the answers to these questions. And, you know, I would think that these things are changing a lot more often than they used to. Well, especially recently because inflation's been so much higher, mm -hmm. right? We just had the largest increase in social security payments that we've had in quite, I think my adult lifetime was just mm -hmm. this year. And like I said, some of these tax rules have been changing dramatically over the last several years. So the biggest adjustment to social security actually occurred in like 2015. Now that didn't sound like yesterday, but 
to be honest, for a lot of people that are at or near retirement, that's fairly recent adjustment. And so depending on who their friends and family are, they may have retired and started selecting their social security benefits before those massive changes in 2015. And those changes changed many of the loopholes that used to exist in the social security system. So now we got to know the new rules. And I know that it's like six, seven years ago. And so people are like, wow, those rules aren't that new. And I'm like, they're pretty new for most people. Right. (laughs) Um, And then we've got a lot of tax changes and simplification of the tax code and social security completely plays into how we think about taxes. And so later on this year, we're going to have a lot of discussions about taxation. And I tell people all the time, social security and taxes are intertwined. You have to understand them together. And so um, that's just how these things are changing. And why, like I said, you got to get updates on your GPS, right? Like you got to get real time information and your situation is going to be changing all the time. Right. So like just yesterday, I'm working through a checklist and unfortunately one of my clients, the husband passed away. Well, that is going to change the social security benefits for the spouse potentially. Right. And so you got to know that you got to know how do I update that? That's got to be a part of my update, my checklist and the way in which I go about things is that these things aren't static. They're not just one time. We got to stay on top of them. So that's why so so many times my clients are like already dealt with that. I'm like, no, you made a decision. Now we need to update that decision. We need to make sure that it's still the right decision given the current circumstances. Once again, giving my driving direction example, uh, the Cloverleaf's closed. Right. We can't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an option, right? So we're going to have to do something different than what we originally planned. And that's really where we spend a lot of time with our clients on this topic is, okay, before I make this initial election, let's get all those what ifs out of the way, right? So we can talk about them. And you've got something coming up that's going to be more specific about what each individual yeah. may need. Absolutely. So one of the things that our clients and, and other anybody that's listening can start to attend is we're going to have actual live events where we go through these topics for people specifically on social security. And just because so that people can kind of get a flavor for this, um, just looking at my notes for that is going to be, there's literally like 13 different sections that we're going to go through during that workshop around this topic, right? So there's no way I can do that in like a 30 minute podcast and go through all of them, right? So, and then in the same way, if we taught a class on this, like you're not going to be able to, in a class, know all of the answers to your situation. So once we teach the class, the first thing we do is just, we go through and get everybody signed up once again on social security, administrative.gov, get their current numbers, get their current, you know, amount of money, get their full retirement age, get their spouse's information. And then we can put that into a basic calculator that'll start to show them what would happen all the way from 62 until 70 if things continue as they currently are. And what I mean by continue is those assumptions, even those calculators on the website for social security, assume you continue to make the same money you're currently making now all the way until you make that decision. That's a very big deal. What I just said there, Wendy, right? Cause yeah. some people, they, they stop working and the numbers that they're seeing assume that they continue to work. So I had some people that stopped working in like in the mid fifties, uh, their age was in their mid fifties because they were downsized out of the company and they took an early retirement, but they didn't elect their social security. 
Well, all of their social security projections that were 10 to 12 years later than then right. assumed they were continuing to work all the way up until that date. So then when they get to social security eligibility and they go to draw, they're always kind of a little bit surprised because the number's lower than it was supposed to be. And they're right. like, oh, I'm getting screwed. And I'm like, no, you just didn't keep working. So the math of this matters because we take our best years of work. And so for most people, our best years are the last few years, right? Because we're making more now than we yes. were making 30 or 40 years ago. So that all improves the calculation. So if I'm putting zeros in where there are supposed to be big numbers, then makes a, my, makes a big difference. And that's what I try to tell people is we got to get that calculation going. And then so we can decide, are we putting zeros in? Are we putting more numbers in getting that kind of sorted out? Because you can retire early, but def not take your social security. And then it's not what you thought it was going to be. Right. right. And so these are things that we got to factor in there. Um, and so that's what we get into at the end of the workshop. We do those things, get them on ssa.gov, get them in a basic calculator and start plugging those numbers then in. And this is the big part of it. We put in all of your other numbers. And what I mean by that is we put in all of your other accounts where you're at, and we actually build a comprehensive retirement income plan for you that includes social security, all the other sources. It will include your net worth. And we actually use your net worth as our primary indicator on which one of these strategies is best for you, right? Because ultimately that's what we're trying to hate my fancy engineering word optimize. Yeah. We're trying to get the most right for you. And that is your net worth, not just how much income you're getting from social security. That's only one component of your net worth. So where do we get the information about the workshop? Well, it's going to be on our website. You know, it's always a handy dandy place to go, right? So if you're not going to artisanwealthstrategies.com, and I know that's a mouthful, it's even harder to spell. For some reason, I cannot spell the word strategies right to save my life. I spell it wrong every single time in the spell check. So when you type it out and you're wrong, Google will fix you. So artisanwealthstrategies.com, you'll see that on the website, there'll be events and workshops that'll be there. You can also get on our email list. So if you email me or Stephanie in my office, she's the one that controls all these wonderful things of how you get the information and you need to get signed up so that we're giving you alerts and updates. Um, you can see that also on our Facebook page, um, Artisan Wealth Strategies uh, in there in Facebook and all kinds of lovely ways to connect with us. All right. Well, thank you, Brett, and thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.